0: Hi, and welcome back to OA On Air via social distancing. I'm Kyan Isaacson. This week, Ann Murphy joins me for 321 Go. Then I had the opportunity to speak with Candia Pink, a member of SEIU 1199 and a frontline home care worker, about her experience in the last year and a half amidst the COVID 19 pandemic. First up, 321 Go. Hi everyone, and welcome back to Three, Two, One, Go. I'm Cayenne Isaacson, and I'm fortunate enough to be joined by Ann Murphy this week. Ann, thank you. Welcome.
1: Oh, it's exciting to be here.
0: And it's super special because for anyone that doesn't know, Ann Murphy was recently named a Top Women in PR by PR News. So congr- congratulations, and thank you for making time for us now that you're a celebrity.
1: <laughs> well, I, yeah, I cleared my schedule for you, Cayenne, because I knew how important it was, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. As I said. Don't forget us little people, never.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that it made sense this week to talk about the Olympics. Obviously that's sort of taking over a lot of conversations, a lot of news coverage, a lot of social media coverage um, in new and different ways in a lot of cases and just bringing a new lens on the Olympics. Obviously it's the 2020 Olympics happening in 2021 because of COVID, COVID still very prevalent uh, and talked about too amongst the games, the athletes, you see everyone wearing masks, um, but it's definitely feels different this year, not just because of the mask wearing and the fact that it says 2020 Olympics everywhere, despite the fact that it's 2021, mm-hmm. um, but so, like the attention feels different. The way it's being streamed is really different, opening games, our opening night ceremony didn't have nearly as many viewers as it has in the past. Probably, I would think, because people can stream it on other services or on demand separately. But what has your Olympics ex- experience been so far this week?
1: Well, I, have to, I do have to tell you that I have this nifty um, hat, Olympics hat from NBC. I got a nice little... Uh, present in the mail, and it's little Tokyo pin, and it's got the f- rings, the Olympic rings. So I'm all about the Olympics, Cayenne. But uh, you know, I do, I do love the games. I love what it mean, what they mean to uh, Americans and to athletes all over the world. So it, it, I just, I really get into it. However, I do think uh, we, it's sort of a um, situation where we have so many opportunities now with the technology, and we can see so many things. Simultaneously or after the fact that it's a lot different than when I was a little kid and we would like have you know that evening we would just see the highlights or whatever was on for the Olympics, you just saw the main events. So I do think it's for some viewers, it might even be confusing and confounding because there, there, there is so, mu- so much and so many different ways to view it. Uh, I do think that, you know, the time difference for Tokyo is good and bad because when you look at the uh, the the schedule and the newspaper. Okay. I'm an early riser. Okay. 630 in the morning I can watch that cycling event And then they do record things and you kind of have to figure out where you're going to see it again But uh, it's almost like it's like almost so much you really have to be uh, you Figure out your own way to watch it. So that's kind of one thing. It's a little convoluted in my opinion
0: Yeah, I found what I've always loved about the olympics when they're on is that <laughs> The lazy person in me there's always something to watch right like whether you put it on and you walk around your house and you clean or you're flipping back and forth between commercial breaks or you just need background noise like when the olympics are happening there's always something on there's multiple channels now to choose from in addition to all of the on-demand options and then we're also getting regular not only news updates but social media updates and it's certainly in some ways, I think, is great for access. But it takes some of the fun out of it when you find out who won before the race even airs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we're a victim of our own communications um, changes there. But I, this week, obviously, the biggest headline is, of course, Simone Biles um, and her decision to remove herself from from the team and let the team go forward because she felt mentally like she wasn't in the right headspace. Um, the more I read, it wasn't only about her mentally feeling unsecure, but that when she feels, when gymnasts feel mentally not in the right place, it's actually really dangerous for them mm-hmm. um, to compete. And I, I watched some coverage of the vault that she did was supposed to be something and she ended up having to kind of change it midair And I mean, that's split seconds. Um, So it's certainly for her safety physically, but also to protect her mental health and to make that decision. Um, What I think is so astounding about it and almost sad is that it's such a big deal for Mm -hmm. someone to have made a decision to protect their mental health. Um, And who knows what that means and the groundwork she just laid for athletes and so many others for the future like she may have just changed the way we talk about athletes and mental health and physical health forever on top of the fact that she was already the greatest of all time in gymnastics like wow
1: I just think it's like I can't imagine any people are criticizing her which is making me very very sad because I don't think that that is anyone's right to do that. She did the best thing for herself. She did the best thing for her teammates. She did the best thing for her mental health and physical safety too, and good for her for being able to do that. Uh, I think you could tell, I've been watching her throughout this Olympics and in some of the other uh, pre-qualifying rounds, there was this sense when you looked at her, that her anxiety level it really looked like it was heightened every time because of course the cameras are so focused on her every movement and her facial expressions and it was like oh I know it's so hard to be to be the best at something and you want to succeed and everything you've done up until this point is leading up to that but you know what when I saw that too the the film of the vault that she did only made two turns instead of three or whatever it was. It's like, oh my goodness, thank, it was scary to me. And it's like, she made that decision, but you know what, like a true team player, she came back out there and she said, I am for the team. I'm coming back there. And I'm going to root for you, for you ladies. And, and, you know, and it, and it, and it worked out that way for her. So I applaud her and I hope that she's getting the support she needs and that she's in a better place for herself right now. I mean, we forget she's 24,
0: I think that's to to have that amount of pressure. Um, You know, she wasn't just the face of U.S. gymnastics. She really was the face of the Olympics um, for the United States. And it the conversations that she has started in so many ways throughout her career as a gymnast, but especially this week. And you've seen like this outpouring on social media of fellow athletes celebrities regular people I think the more I think it's been overwhelmingly positive versus right. negative um is is such an important conversation and she's she's doing that just by doing what was best for her and saying I don't owe anyone anything but I have to protect myself and I mean just what an incredible person and again I just read her like how sad it really is when you think about it, that this has, that this is deemed so important and impactful or shocking Mm -hmm. that somebody would make this decision. And it should be noted, every single one of her sponsors has stood by her, uh, which seems like a no brainer, but you know, five, 10 years ago, that might not have been the case.
1: Right, Um, I also think I saw the uh, announcement today where, her teammates, Sunisa Lee, actually won the gold in gymnastics, and, but what her, what Simone Biles pulling out of it also created an opportunity, it created mm-hmm. opportunity for other athletes who might have thought, I'm never going to get in Simone Biles' way, because she's just going to take it all, then this life happens, you know what I mean, sometimes, so then they yes. have to, oh, they got to step up to the plate, and they got to give their best game, too, so that's just a lesson in life, too, it's like, things happen. You got to roll with it and go, you know, get a change.
0: Yeah. She's outstanding. I mean, she top to top top. bottom. Um, yeah. What a great role model for, for not just kids, I think for anyone um, who, whether you're an athlete or not, that protecting yourself and doing what feels right and true for you is always good. Um, and it's been incredible just to see all of the really great notes. Like if you follow her on Instagram that she's been posting that she's received or people have posted publicly uh, just really supporting and rallying around her. Um, So switching gears, TikTok (laughs) can't, can't have a conversation about social media without TikTok Uh, obviously has (laughs) risen in, Popularity uh, in the last year, plus as everyone was sort of locked down in COVID, it really kind of took on a life of its own more than ever before. And it is playing an increasingly large role at the Olympics. Um, A lot of athletes are, you know, sharing stories, posts, their way through the Olympic Games and, and Olympic Village and their time in Tokyo. Um, And it's been really interesting to see, and I think another great example of the power of social media to connect with people. Um, Like there's, there are players that are gaining popularity and a following because of what they're doing on social media, which will ultimately translate to support and a following for what they do in their sport. And when we, when we talk about social media in our work and with you know with clients and with with campaigns and projects we always talk about the power of social media it really can be harnessed for good in so many amazing and creative ways when you're willing to st- step outside of the box a little bit and show your true colors, show your personality to people um and the long-standing effects are can be really positive.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that as we've seen, I think in this Olympics too, this is the probably the first one that has been accelerated. I don't think TikTok existed four years ago, right? Or five years ago. Um, so that new platform that is hilarious and addicting addictive when you start going <laughs> on it. Uh, it it's just uh really help, help people elevate their own profiles and it's so interesting and it's personality based of course and i really i really love it i think it's like i think it's great and i'm looking forward to seeing more of those silly things out there
0: <laughs> and that's the thing right it for some of them the um there are people I've never heard of until I started watching their TikTok videos, not just on TikTok, but because they're being shared in other places. And now all of a sudden, I feel like I have a vested interest in watching their activity or their sport or when they're competing. And I would think that for a lot of them, it will also turn into sponsorship and business opportunities that may not have existed without it. Exactly.
1: Exactly. I, I just think that in some of the more obscure, uh, obscure sports that we can now see, because everybody's posting on everything, it's like I was just mentioning to you a little while ago about that kayaking canoe slalom Olympic event, going down a man-made white water. It's like the most amazing video I've ever seen, and i would never heard of it, but I was addicted to that. Right? So it's like it gives you the opportunity, a little peek in a world that I'm not in, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> well, you have a little bit of a foot in it. Do you talk you've been obviously working now with Noelle Lambert for a long time with the Born to Run Foundation? Um
1: so you have you have a you have a toe in the Olympics water. I have a toe so and a vested interest to support uh our client and our friend Noelle Lambert, Paralympic athlete who uh five years ago lost her left leg in a moped accident in Martha's Vineyard. And, you know, at the time she was a college student playing lacrosse at uh, University of Lowell and uh, UMass Lowell and then went back rehab, went back to the lacrosse field and then kind of met a lot of other Paralympic athletes in her journey as an amputee who encouraged her, yeah, hey, you should try it, you should try it. And, she will admit to anybody that she hates running. I mean, this is the thing. She said she was a lazy athlete before that, but after she lost (laughs) her leg, she became a much better athlete and then decided, I think I can do it. And if anyone knows her, she's a tough competitor. And she said, I'm going to try the 100 meter, the 100 meter in track and field, which is one of the hardest races. And you know what? Come to find out like she did the hard work and she made the team. So Go Team USA, Noelle Lambert. She'll be uh, leaving here uh, around August 20th, go out to Tokyo, but in her event is on September 3rd. So we're all going to be cheering for Noelle, Team USA, Team Noelle. So we can't wait
0: to see that. Absolutely. And, and for and for, that's just a good reminder too. Like everyone's really caught up in the Olympics right now. Those will end next week and then we'll get a b- bit of a break but then we do have the Paralympics happening shortly thereafter at end of August into early September right exactly. so everyone stay tuned mm-hmm. well I'm gonna go uh find the video of the white water <laughs> canoeing kayaking that you explained because I haven't seen it yet um and probably <laughs> make sure I watch that and in um Thanks for joining me this week, and this is always great to catch up uh, with our Top Women in PR Award winner. Thank you, Kayanne.
1: It's been a pleasure. (laughs) Have a good one.
0: Hi, I'm here today with Candia Pink. She is a personal care assistant, or a PCA. Uh, also a member of SEIU 1199 here in Massachusetts. Candia, thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Um, First off, I have to say, uh, obviously an enormous thank you. I know that you and your uh, fellow members and healthcare workers have have just done work that is beyond the call of duty in a lot of cases uh, since the beginning of the pandemic in March. What was it? 2020. Um, and so thank you. I know it's it has been harder than ever to do this work. Sometimes probably feels incredibly thankless. Um, so thank
2: you. <laughs> You're
0: um, so for anyone who doesn't know, can you just quickly explain what it is that a PCA does um, on a day-to-day or, you know, sort of regular basis with those that you serve?
2: Oh, thank you. Sure. Uh, well, basically, uh, PCA is a person that assists a client, a person that has a disability where they may need assistance with cooking, cleaning. Sometimes they might need help with bathing. It can get real personal at times when it comes down to attending to a client. But their personal needs, they need to go to the store, get their medication, go to the doctors, their appointments. This is where we come in at to assist them.
0: So for a lot of them, uh, having a PCA really allows them to stay home rather than go into like a rehab or an assisted living facility, right? That's correct. And with, you know, thinking about for people who may not be thinking about it through this lens throughout the COVID pandemic, part of one of the many challenges that PCAs faced was you were going in and out of different people's homes every day, so exposure really varied. I'm sure, um, you know. I know that throughout the past year plus, I heard stories from uh, SEIU members about you know some you would go into people's homes and they wouldn't wear masks, um, or wouldn't be willing to, or you didn't know if they were had been tested or later vaccinated. Um and you know, while you're trying to protect yourself and also at least at the beginning of the pandemic, I, I think it got better, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, really not a lot of PPP, so masks and gloves and protective uh, equipment available to you guys.
2: That is correct. well we when the union have been providing standard PPEs for us, but yes, you you have. People, I I had a person that didn't want to wear a mask during an an event. So it, it gets kind of frustrated. But just, I want to back it up just a little. I also want to point out that if you as a person lose your ability to have your independence, how would you feel? So this is why we step in to not take over, but to let you still have your independence at the same time. So most of our the PCAs, we have, we, we work with our heart more than just to get a paycheck. We really want to make sure that you're comfortable and that you can do things for yourself. As far as the pandemic, it was a little setback because like I always explain, I can't, I feel uncomfortable having more than one client in one day because I don't want to, I want to be able to change my clothes, take my showers and then go to the next person. So I stay with one PCA. I mean, one client, excuse me. Some people do, do not have that choice and they have to move on. So we need those type of equipment where we have, instead of just only a mask and gloves, but we need like sometimes a whole full gear because maybe it's a lot of fluid, body fluid that we have to deal with. This is scary. And we go in and we do it anyway, hoping that we'll be okay, you know, and then go home at the, after that. Yeah. So we need hope, that to respect. I'm sorry. Hope,
0: hope is a big verb, right? Like, I mean,
1: you, should, <laughs> you shouldn't
0: have to go to work and just, you know, kind of fingers crossed and hope for the best, particularly because at the end of the day, you're going home to your own families and yes. um, it was a struggle, but yet thousands and thousands of, you know, workers continued to show up for work, literally mm-hmm. just often hoping um, that it wouldn't be, it wouldn't go badly. Uh, can you talk a little bit more to about what your work and your your life, the balance and sort of going through all of it has been really it's not in the past year, it's like the past year and a half. Um, and how that is pro- changing your approach to how you provide care, perhaps going forward.
2: For me personally, remember before the pandemic, we still had to take those Russian Valet jobs. <laughs> I call them yeah. Russian valet. A chance. You're always going to have to take a chance whether it was a pandemic or not. It's just that. Now that we have, now we had to go through something to share a a social space with the whole world together, we need to have a better approach for how we are being well taken care of and we need that respect, which I'm glad we're getting it a little bit at a time and I'm glad we're pushing for it. But I'm still... Like, even when I work, I still try to stay apart from my clients or I don't, I go straight home after I work with her to make sure that I'm clear. And then, you know, and then whatever I have to do in my personal life, I have to make sure first things first is to just um, change my clothes, feel comfortable, even though I know she's okay, but... The hidden monster is always there, right? You never know who is coming to everybody's houses so it's, it's really it's still scary for me to be honest with you, but i'm 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 very cautious, but I wish that we had more equipment to be honest with you,
0: yeah now in talking about showing respect, uh the state has directed funding for premium care for home care workers. Um, we talked a little bit about this before. My original question was more how does it feel to finally be recognized? You felt like that wasn't really an accurate representation. So I'm going to rephrase it. Um, how do you feel to find, to learn that the state has uh, directed the funding for home care workers? But it seems in talking to you like there's a lot left to be desired there. So what is it you think that the state government, Public healthcare, you know, whatever whatever it is, um, can do to really be showing you and your colleagues and and fellow workers uh, that they are respected, that they are appreciated for everything that they've done. I mean, not just for the past year and a half amidst the pandemic. This was difficult work before that, um, often also unrecognized. Um, and what what would what would be meaningful to you? Do you think?
2: Okay. So let me rephrase myself. I do appreciate what we're going what we're getting now. I appreciate it that they are lending their ears. They are listening. But I used to work for the New York Fire Department prior to this and EMS part in the medical field, because my clothes are flammable, so I was in the medical field. And what we got paid, what we did out there, we had the equipments that we needed just in case. Sometimes we might not need certain equipment. So one of them is, like I told you, with the full gear where somebody might be bloody and I don't want it to get on my uniform, I put on this gear to protect me with my gloves. I feel that as in this field as a PCA, that we should not be begging for anything when it comes down to our personal protection. You know, That is what I want. I want to see that they go, okay, more equipment is coming in, not another entity like SEIU trying to gather up some basic PEs and say, here, make sure you pick this up. No, I want it to be that the government actually says, okay, we're going to start sending in some equipment for you or give us access or however it's supposed to be. I don't know all the rules. But whatever it is, I want us to have better equipment that we could be able to call and say, I'm going to need this for this particular client that I have, and I need access to it. I shouldn't have to be struggling for that. I can't take it out of my paycheck because we don't get paid as much because some of us have 20 hours only a week. Like Well, I think I do 15, 15 hours a week. So again... I shouldn't have to be begging for bread. This is something that's very important, and especially since the pandemic, since we have such a, a, a we we went through a lot, and it, it shocked the world. And I think that we need to now accommodate and make sure that we are all safe.
0: Yeah, I mean we one thing that i think we can all say is how much we learned through this process right and i think healthcare is probably the largest example of things that were were not working um really came <laughs> really came to light and came to the forefront um opportunities that existed became very apparent um and to your point you know the idea that somebody who is providing a service so that people can stay in their homes as you said with dignity with their independence allowing families to save costs because obviously those uh, living facilities are awfully very often very expensive um but also just their quality of life and to be able to provide that particularly at a time where more than ever people didn't want to be in you know homes with a lot of people and um that you had to struggle just seems, it seems like a no brainer, right? That you should just have everything you need in order to do your job to the best of your ability. Correct. So there's a lot of debate in Washington right now um, about funding for home care. What would you say to elected officials who are unsure about investing in caregivers and those that you're caring for?
2: Okay, you have nursing homes, we have homes for adults that uh, adults that are not elderly, but they have to be in these homes, and they have these type of equipments there, or they should have. If I'm, if correct me if I'm wrong, but I do believe they should have certain equipments there when it's time to care for the people. These people want to be home. Why do they have to live somewhere else to get to make sure that there is a protection between client and and uh, worker? I'm not understanding what's so hard. I think the government, the officials need to really think about making sure that we have these equipments that upgrade, not just gloves because you got you need goggles sometimes unless you wear glasses, but sometimes you need goggles over your glasses because people, fluid, bodily fluid is very serious alone. Mm-hmm. Yet, now the pandemic, if you have a virus in you and you spit in my eye, I'm going to have a problem with that. Somebody else will have a problem with it. Now I'm going to get sick. Why do I have to get sick and not be with my family? Because I tried to help somebody.
0: Yeah. And another, actually, while you talk about possibly you being sick or protecting yourself from being sick, one of the things, you know, that's also is the the pay and the compensation for if you, if you got sick and you had to take time off um, in order to protect yourself, or if you had to quarantine, things like that. Can you walk through some of the issues, whether you face them or some of your fellow, um, workers or friends and colleagues faced over this last year that maybe we haven't touched upon? Just, I really do from this want people to have like a really full picture of not only the incredible work you do, but the incredible struggles that you all overcome, um, far, far more often than perhaps you, you should have to.
2: Okay. I could tell you, I, I'm going to have to work backwards with this one for me. Yeah. <laughs> no, because one thing that a lot, I don't think people understand is that we don't have a retirement plan at all. At all. We do not. If I work until I'm of age for retirement, there's no, what is it called? Uh, I forgot what it was called. This is how long it's been, right? We don't have one. That's why I don't know the name of the what's it? four hundred one k, like four hundred one ks. Yeah, we don't. We do not have that at all. Not set in place. We can't even opt into one, because that's not on the table for us. But yet we have to. But yet they want us to do things like it's. uh, We have to now start. In January, we're going to have to start signing in, using our phones, right? And then we have to hope that the client is computer savvy because they're going to have to say, yes, this is, they were here to work. We have to do, so we have to, we're helping them with their independence. And now I have to, well, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to help you log in if you have a computer. We can't afford, some some of us might lose our phones or our phones break. I might have to choose paying my rent and feeding my family before buying another phone. And yet I can't, I can't sign in. These are these little things, these small details that they making us do, but yet you're not saying, okay, we want you, we're going to see about giving you a retirement plan and making sure that you have equipment to, for your safety. But yeah, you want me to do all of this. I don't think it's fair at all. I, I a lot of people have if, if my client is sick and in the hospital, we're not gonna get paid for that. So then how do we how are we supposed to get paid? What is our supplement? So I think we need a lot of respect on what we do because we take these chances. If my client is if, if my client is sick that has to be hospitalized, what am I gonna do next? Tell me that. What do I do? What do I do after if my if I am too old to work now? How am I going to take care of myself? How I, These are the things that we have to really take in consideration. How are we going to do this? Because if I quit, if, if everybody quits and don't want to do it anymore, then who? how are the, the people that need help is going to get help? Who's going to do the job? Yeah. So uh, people really got to understand that. When you get checked, the police departments, they got a retirement plan, uh, a regular I don't know. I don't know if teachers. I think teachers have retirement plans. I'm just <laughs> doing basic people. Yeah. Right? The you know they yeah. have everybody have it, but not us. We don't, and we're the ones that's in the front in the front line, right alongside with the ER, with the you know the medical. We're in the front line with you. Yeah, and everybody got a retirement plan, but us. <laughs> we can't. Even, they treat yeah. us like a true underdog. A true underdog.
0: And I know that, um, again, you know, kind of going back this past year has made some of uh, the issues just really more apparent than ever before. I want to thank you again, number one, for your time, two, for your work. Uh, Is there anything else that we didn't get a chance to talk about or that you would want people to know about the work you and your colleagues do as home care workers um, or anything we didn't touch upon
2: before we wrap up? I just want you to know that I'm not complaining. I'm just explaining. You know, yeah. No, it's important.
1: People need. This
0: We don't. If people don't know, then they don't know. You know, it's an issue. This is is really. I think this is um, important information to share. So thank you.
2: Yeah. Other. If I come up with something next time, I'll 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 write you and tell you about it. But (laughs) other than that, this these little things right here is. Enough to fight right now. It's so hard to try to keep up with everything, to be honest with you. It's too much in one plate. And so you just got to take a little at a time. And I'm glad that they recognize us and that we did get a little um, raise. I appreciate it. But again, that that saying that they have about uh, how they say, I feel like they're giving me the fish in the, instead of teaching me how to fish. Mm-hmm. that's how I feel you know like what yes okay thank you for the 16 10 an hour but when I can't work anymore that that amount means nothing because it wasn't paid into a retirement plan period I know I'm stressing that retirement plan
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I totally get it um Well, thank you again for taking the time and um, come back and talk to us again. Of course.
2: Thank you so much. I
0: appreciate it. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of OA on Air via social distancing. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you next week.